Hey, this is Mario Beckes, Managing Director of Insight Intelligence. If you are wanting to learn how to embrace change and navigate through disruption as a leader, then listen to the Leadership is Changing podcast with my good friend, Dennis Giannoutsos. Welcome to Leadership is Changing. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change. This is taking your leadership to another level by finding the balance between executive excellence and personal well-being through stories that inspire real change. It's time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsos. Hey, welcome to the show, Leadership is Changing. What we as leaders know to be true is that change is constant. Leaders everywhere confront similar obstacles because people are people, but everywhere you go, leaders are overwhelmed, disrupted, and under pressure. They run from email to email, meeting to meeting. Many leaders are not changing quick enough, which means they run the risk of becoming irrelevant and being left behind. The purpose of the show is taking our listeners' leadership to another level by finding their balance between executive excellence and personal well-being through stories that inspire real change. I believe we don't have enough effective leaders in the world today, and if we can get the leaders to step up and lead change, then they can inspire real change. Hey, listeners, it's now time to adapt in our fast-moving world. Hey, listeners, welcome to today's episode. Great to have you here with us. I've got a wonderful guest with me today. His name is Mario Beckus. He's a natural leader, public speaker, results-driven, published book author, relationship builder, and facilitator with experience in investigative techniques and interviewing, interrogation methods, corporate human, and competitive business intelligence. Uh-oh, he might be asking me some hard questions today. We'll see how we go. Now, look, he's fought in a war for more than 1,800 consecutive days in the Croatian War for Independence. He's recovered more than $100 million of lost money for his clients, and today serves as a consultant to the leaders of multiple billion-dollar local and global organizations. He's an accomplished bestseller author of Blood Soaked Soil and other several books on topics of investigation, interrogation, and industrial espionage. Mario, a big warm welcome to you. Thank you, Dennis, and thank you for having me on your podcast. It is a true privilege. Thank you. Whereabouts are you in the world today? Today, I'm in the most beautiful city. For me, it is the most beautiful city in Australia. Mm-hmm. It's sunny today after days of the heavy bombardment of the rain and the storms, Sydney. Yeah, yeah. See, I think this year, well, the summer that we've just had, it's just finished. I think New Zealand's had the Australian summer because we've had a brilliant summer. And where you've had a lot of rain, although you've needed some rain, some water, but not as much as you've got. I mean, it's ridiculous. It's been huge. It is. that I was, you know, tempted to go into the bookstore to purchase the Noah Art for Dummies, honestly, <laughs> because I never saw so much rain in my life. And for the some, for the listeners, you know, I don't want to take too much time. You know, I've been in England several times in Ireland and Scotland. I had a feeling that I was waking up in the middle of the Scotland you know, with the song Crimea River because it was very depressing, but we survived. We have a nice sunny day today in Sydney. Did you find the book, How to Build a Noah's Ark for Dummies? No, but I'm certainly I'm going to make the one because for the next events coming across. Because, look, you know, I, I when I come to Australia in 98 in November, I fall in love with that city 
immediately, Dennis. And I realized after several days, you know, a little bit about culture, people behavior, and I understood that people they don't understand how lucky they are in this country, including New Zealand. You know, from 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 my environment I'm coming from, you know, sunny and you know beautiful weather. It's like people complain of winter here. Like you go in Europe and it's a winter minus twenty degrees and. Then you can see the winter, like you know. Me, but yeah, like look, Sydney it's the most beautiful, um, most beautiful city for me, and that's where I'm currently living and uh, working, and running my business. For. I think it's actually a very good point you bring up there too. Though I think for a lot of our listeners, they may be in situations in their life and their business and the roles that they do as leaders, whereby they might be whinging or complaining about things, and sometimes we just need to step back and take stock of where we are and understand what we've got in our hands and maybe be a little bit grateful as well. Don't get me wrong. There will be people in some situations that do need to change, but it's pretty interesting how we see that today and and how people need to sort of be a little bit grateful for everything they've got. That's correct. I agree with you. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Now, we've given you, the the listeners, a little bit of a brief background about you. Tell us a little bit more about the investigative questioning or interrogation work that you do. My business is intelligence has been formed in 2010, and it was a product of desire, dreaming, imagination. I want to have my own business, but then become necessity, as you know, 2009 uh, with GFC, uh, and you know, world around me collapsed. So that was a unique opportunity. If I don't do now, I'm never going to do it. Um, and uh, I built the three pillars of my on my business. Uh, those three pillars starts with letter F. Uh, F number one, it's a fear. Fear of losing money. Fear of losing reputation. Second F, it's fight. We fight for our clients against the fraud, criminal activity, fraudulent claims, and there is a freedom. Freedom that our clients can enjoy. They they work without interruptions and without uh, taking extra time or spending more money on investigative internal matters, external matters. And I always come back to this point, Dennis. You know that feeling in your life when someone has taken advantage of you. And that's where we are stepping to sort out this issue. So the business is built around factual investigations, which we're providing. It's a core of the business. Uh, to the insurance companies, banking sector, corporations as well, regardless is internal theft, internal, te- internal fraud, external theft, fraud, espionage, where I'm stepping inside. Then we have a surveillance investigation, and that, that's called globally. You know, yeah. Most of the cases doesn't start only in Australia and finish in Australia. Sometimes they go beyond the borders. And as you know, uh, the COVID was uh, one of the events, one in 100 years, I would say, where the surveillance was being basically uh, interrupted, that type of investigation, because of the limitations of the of the moments. Then we have the forensic investigations. That's a forensic accounting and forensic psychology, forensic accounting. It is uh, when we assist the clients to the, our employees here in the office uh, to go through the potential fraud by their business partners or their employees or their accountants. And I'm in hindsight, so that's one forensics. It's forensic uh, psychology. Uh, I'm employing the very, um, I'm very grateful that I have that person, Debbie, Debbie Colorus, Dr. Debbie Colorus, 
she's one of the very few people with PhD in psychological profiling, geographical psychological profiling and determining criminal activities by uh, geographical location. So this is the uh, the core of our business, Dennis. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's fascinating stuff that you're sharing there. You. Must yeah. be really interesting work to do. It is because, as you know, like we all, information, it's the most valuable commodity in business. We always acquiring information, either visually, verbally, orally, you know, name it. Or sometimes we being provided information and we don't believe their validity or their reliability. So that's where we're stepping in. So information is the our business. Information is management. So if one of our listeners right now is listening to something and they can see that there's probably some fraud happening, whether it's internally or from external sources or something like that happening. In other words, in your words, somebody taking advantage of them. What should they be doing right now? What's probably one thing or two things they should be thinking about before engaging someone like yourself? First of all, they need to understand it's going to happen. It's not when or how, but it will happen. Every business, it becomes the victim. You know, we can put all policy procedures in a place and we can have the leadership is that in charge. Leadership must understand the weaknesses and potential threats. Uh, threats are rising with on hourly rate because there's a new methods of the modus operandi of the frosters. So they need to think how to investigate this matter and that investigation to become uh, the tool to implement the policy procedures because the investigation when it ends and you find the perpetrator, you, uh, you realize that you can confirm some type of fraudulent activity or criminal activity, implement your policy procedures. How this investigation is going to benefit to the, my company because they're going to learn the lesson from this investigation and investigation clearly outline modus operandi of the fraudster. Mm. And that gives you indication how to change some uh, policy procedures or employments or you know, protecting the data, protecting information, money, and so on. So that's what you need to first to think how to utilize this investigation or potential uh, fraud to benefit on a longer run. Mm-hmm. Good point. Okay. There you go, listeners. You've heard that already, so that's good. There's some good tips there. Now, Mario, how did you get into leadership? I never envisaged to going to be the leader because I was growing up in communism and I was being mastered to become um, the officer of the Yugoslav people army. So there's no leadership in this. You know, it's a, it's a hardcore communist type of army, and you're listening to Politburo and the communist um, uh, elite, and that's what the decision making is happening. What it changed? It's 1991. Uh, the civil war started in ex Yugoslavia. We fought for the democracy. To translate democracy for me was a coke and rock and roll and McDonald's. Um, I didn't even know what the democracy means because that word was there being used in communism. <laughs> because communism is the best. Um, so what it happened? After a few weeks in, in, in the war, like I was being assigned um, uh, several people to I lead in combat. And I was almost 19 years old, not even 19 years old. And how did I learn a lot of leadership? Uh, leadership, it is not something as a title which entitles you to you, show other people, you know, I mean, how great you are. If you don't lead by example, you're not a leader. That's what I learned. And for me, it was always being demanded that I need to, when I lead my troops, uh, 
which they grow substantially you know, with the ease of the my service and as well every type of job in military because I first started in the war and uh, several several years later I was in security intelligence services and then I was being transferred into diplomatic intelligence. So the leadership is not that I chose leadership, they chose me. And when I asked, why do you choose me? They told me people like you. And I said like, okay, that's a prerequisite. They said, no, but people like you the way how you're protecting them. So I was very conscious that my actions and my, whatever I demanding from everybody behind me or around me or under me, whatever you want to call this, I need to lead by my example. And there was a no moment in my life that I didn't want to relinquish leadership there, honestly, because it's a high responsibility. And the one thing what I learned on these practical courses of leadership, where you are being taught, you know, this all psychological values of the leadership and how to team up with the people and everything else, that I come in a position where I need to know 400 people individually how they feel. And it looks good on a paper, but when I realize that that I become everybody the beacon in darkness, that whatever I say, they will they will do it. Now, when you transfer this into a corporate world, it was a different because in corporate world leadership it's been valued differently, and as well the losses being measured in dollar sign rather than in lives, and you know so leadership is not something I chose; they chose me because of the my determination to protect those who follow me. That was the number one. And equally to reach objectives and key objectives being put in front of me along with other other officers and so on. And, you know, I had uh, some heated arguments in my life with the people uh, who believe the leaders uh, by explaining and, you know, rationalizing things, why things should not be done because it's going to cause the more damage than the benefits. And that's the way how I learn as well from elder and the people behind me. So when you put people who follows you and people you follow, you find the golden um, middle, right? It's, 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 it's a golden rule. You find the middle ground and then you become the proper leader. Oh, I love it. So you, leave, you learn from others that are leading you and then also you lead others. But I like what you say. If you're not leading by example, you're not a leader. And, no, absolutely. Um, yeah, and I also love what you said about how leadership chose you and um, rather than you choosing leadership. And I think it's brilliant because um, you're right. Military would probably be more about life and death where corporate's more about dollars, profits, things like that, and survival probably in the sense of we're surviving as a business when the military side was surviving full stop to live, to live or not. Yeah. Yeah. Corporate world, it can be very cruel, very uh, because as you said, maybe there is no the, the the loss of the life in terms like you know you've been injured by 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 actions. However, if the company has been led by the people, and I saw this before the just before the COVID, I was um, uh, in Singapore. I was for the big meeting. Long story short, there was a uh, very smart people in that room. Uh, my client was there, the chairman, and I mentioned can I have the word and I was in supporting role. I wasn't a guy who is, you know, golden cufflinks and leadership. And I was in supporting role as a intelligence uh, or analyst. And I mentioned to them and as something's happening with the COVID. It's uh end of January. It was a twenty six, it was a 
Australia Day, I remember here in Australia, I was there. And I was being told to be quiet because I'm not a leader. And I said, like, I truly believe if you don't take in consideration strategic thinking and strategic intelligence provided to you by me, I truly believe the leadership of this organization is going to be crushed, literally. And what it happened three months later, I was being called and um, I've been asked, how did I know? I say I didn't know. It's something that's called a pre-mortem analysis for the leadership which basically we all know what the post-mortem it is, but pre-mortem it's critical thinking combined with strategic intelligence and you take a four to five strongest uh, hypotheses or theories what was possibly can happen. Mm. And when we done that, this war games in my office, I said, like, I'm not sure. And I wasn't sure about lockdown either, <laughs> but I saw that a logistical problem start occurring. I said, something is going to be, and... Uh, leadership will not be able to maintain anymore that momentum as a prior COVID. Wow. So they came to you once they realized what you were about to say, but got told to keep quiet because you're not a leader, was coming (laughs) real and they wanted to know more, right? So Yes. hmm. So three months later I was I was blessed enough that chairman called me and asked me what do you think? And I said before, like you know, the two points of the leadership is gonna be depend. One is logistics for the uh, this large company which has been uh, disturbed by the events of the COVID lockdowns and uh, shipping containers and anything else. And secondly, I say, if you can't provide as a leader, uh, you already make a forecast for the two quarters already with a, such a high uh, earnings, if you don't deliver this, people can lose the jobs and everything else. And that exactly happened. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> Um, and I think what we all probably can do by listening to this actual episode right now is feel what you just said there because we've all gone through it. And um, some companies have gone off and done very well and excelled. And uh, a lot of them have actually struggled as well throughout the time. But it's uh, it's interesting. Right. Now, Mario, here's an interesting question for you. And that is, this person could be alive or from history, <laughs> but who's your favorite leader and why? I'll start backwards. Uh if you interview any CEO on this planet, uh, if you ask them what is your two most favorite books you read, first one's going to be Art of War of Sun Tzu. And most of people, they believe they read that book, but that book is it's very complex because it uh, requires a lot of strategic thinking. And second one is uh, uh, Niccolo Machiavelli, The Prince. Now, the both books are the great examples of the leadership Sun Tzu, he was the leader in true sense, and he's my favorite leader because he was delivering messages how to conduct a war at a, a less expense to the to the, his king and uh, his kingdom with a minimum losses, and yet to deliver the, all these tactics and technologies and modus operandi, you know how to conduct a war because we we must be you know clear two thousand years ago. Nobody was working in Amazon or, you know, I mean, in, in the logistics. Everything was like being conquered the land and, you know, yeah. defend what you had. Second one is Niccolo Machiavelli. Uh, so Sun Tzu is my, my, my number one true example of the leadership. Niccolo Machiavelli is the second, uh, not as a leadership, but as somebody who was the whisperer to the leaders. Even his book, The Prince, has been questioned in history that he's been that book that has been written, actually as a pure 
satisfy an alter ego to come good and good grace of the king of the he was serving Boja and um, you know he influenced the generation how to behave but soon so for me yes now have you met I don't think you have met the author right <laughs> uh, look we we try to arrange some coffee in afterlife but you know this moment we will see it I mean so I've, this got a, moment, <laughs> I've got a question here so if you were yes. both sitting on a park bench somewhere and you yes. could have a coffee with that person what yes. would be the question you would ask them? Do you believe that your book influenced generations and generations? Mm. That would be my one. You know, that was my because you know if, if you because <laughs> people when leave the legacy and you know those times people wrote these things. There's a famous uh, favorite uh, swordsman Yamato Musashi from Japan, sixth century. He has a uh, sixty-seven jewels, and uh, he was. Uh, he was having micro leadership and he wrote something that was called a doko, where you're living for the leaders. This is the type of people who wrote these things to learn to teach generations after them. But that being said, there has never been uh, uh, known to them that somebody applied this. And you agree, Dennis, with me. You're running the great podcast, Dennis. I really enjoy being today with you. But as well, you have the competitors of your own and I have on mine. And they will do everything now, you know, for your work to be seen different way. So imagine one script writing from Sun Tzu could be burned, right? And nobody will know. So that's uh, so I'm sure that he knows that he's been applied. Yes. Yeah, it's interesting how a lot of us as leaders today, that what we say and what we do, whether it be in the way the words we use, the actions we take, a book you read, an interview on a podcast, actually running your own podcast doing or speaking on stage, you will impact people for generations to come. But yes. we just don't actually always know that. I don't know about you, Mario, but I'm always surprised when somebody comes to me two or three years later or five years later and goes, you said this on this date. And I go, oh, oh what did I say? And it was like, you said this, this, and this, but this has actually changed my life for good. And it's been really, really awesome. And it just brings a tear to my eyes because they go, whoa, Look at the power that we actually have. And I'm not saying to be powerful and be yes. strong people. I'm not talking about that at all. It's just it's amazing what we can do today to impact generations of the future. And that's what you're doing, Dennis, you know, and for that I'm grateful. Talking about leadership, it's very ungrateful. There's so many definitions. But the true example of leadership it is, as you and I spoke, last two years I saw how the COVID amplified people behavior on a good or bad way. Yep. Leadership, it's different when you're sitting behind a, a, a desk and you've been protected by the many uh, obstacles for the normal people, army, police, and everything else. So if you're a politician, sometimes, that's not a leadership. Being poli- in politics, that's not a leadership. That's not even a job. There's no qualifications for this. And because, after all, leader does decision-making for everybody in corporation. What you did, you decided clearly, consciously, deliberately, and purposely, I will not sit and just wait to call it goals. I will utilize my time. And for that, that's a display of the leadership. Even you don't need to have 500 people behind you, Dennis, but your actions help others. And that's us is this. Yeah, I did a photo shoot um don't, Mario, don't laugh too much at me when I'm about to tell you this. <laughs> what? I'm already laughing because it's sad. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I did a photo shoot about four years ago and yes. about an hour and a half. It was two hours long. 
and I was mm-hmm. just playing. I had to be animated to, to to help the photo. Yes. And the guy goes to me, "You've got a great face for radio." And I'm like, "Not a great face for a TV, but a great face for radio." What are you talking about, man? And yeah. Um, yeah. this is. I heard that once somebody told me, you know, like it's a great face for radio, right? And I'm like, nobody sees you behind the mic. Oh. But people don't remember the the. The, the images. You see, we all been driven by the sound and smell. And what I learned in Intelligence Academy, uh, one of the classes uh, with that lady, she told us everything is in binary codes. We live in binary codes, so everything is in numbers. But one thing what we can't ignore, it's sound and smell. Mm-hmm. Smell opens the for the any leader. It's going to remind them on a... Yeah, mm. Absolutely does. You know, I was twenty. I was five years of age, and I went to Greece for six months with my mum and dad on holiday. And for sixteen years, there was this smell, and I could never remember where that smell was. And when I was twenty-one years of age, and I landed back in Athens, I got picked up, taken to my auntie's apartment building. It was winter. Yeah. As soon as the apartment door opened, that that smell, which is the True, thing yeah. that, that yeah. goes through the heating of the of the place. As soon as I hit it, I was like, whoa. And I just remembered it. And it's just, it's amazing what people remember and what Mm. what the brain processes as we go through things over life. Mm. It's true. Yeah. It's true. Now, Mario, the the show here is called Leadership is Changing. When I mentioned that title or that statement, what does that mean to you? Leadership, what it means, sorry, the question was leadership means to me or? Leadership is changing. What does that mean Mm. to you? Yeah, well. No doubt that, as I mentioned in our previous conversation a few minutes ago, uh, that COVID changed the landscape of the behavior and the thinking. Mm. And the leaders, I truly believe, uh, we all saw actually so many corporations, uh, they try to see beyond horizon and relied heavily uh, on, um, on overseas uh, operations. Uh, I always come back to the one point, Leaders, if he doesn't understand his local area, you can't understand what's happening in other city. So what I'm going to see, or what I would like to see, it's a new generation of the leaders, because all generations of the leaders is gone. The way of thinking, way of acting, way of uh, decision-making is gone. Information uh, changing the landscape of decision-making. It's a lot of misinformation, disinformation. And uh, it's going to ask this changing of the leadership is going to ask and seek for the people or the leaders from the management, right? And what I try to say, somebody who understands inside outside operations, somebody who is dedicated to the company and who's going to understand information's changing, it's inevitable. And we had the leaders, you know, we need to understand, and my understanding is that's how I was educated. There's a two types of leaders. You have the war leaders and you have the leaders in the peace. Uh, great example is Winston Churchill. He was a great world leader. He was a great war, uh, war leader. Did he won election after war? No, nobody wanted him anymore. Yeah, well, there's several reasons why not, but nobody wanted him because he didn't saw. Same comes in the COVID. COVID absorbed. I think it's like a sponge, right? Between, uh, you know, I mean everything absorbed all leaders, sucked them. You know, I mean, sucked them inside. And needs to now produce the new generations of leaders. And the new generation of the leaders is not what I was being introduced with. It's a new generation. This people who can decide, they're decisive, they're cunning, and they are 
very, very um, knowledgeable about local market rather than just seeing beyond horizon and overseas, which means less strategic thinking was going to happen, you know, in five years' time overseas, while they concentrate yourself on a market you can control. And I saw this during the uh, lockdown and the COVID, people are being lost because they have operations overseas and they don't understand what's happening. There's no goods, there's no employees, people working from home. So new generation of employees is going to be something like a dentist, people who uh, work tirelessly through COVID. That's what it is, people who never stop working through COVID and who didn't expose themselves to the you know, to public and um, brought uh, negative attention to the company. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I think those leaders who have kept going throughout that whole period of time, you're right, are the ones that are going to still rise up. Really interesting, those who did rise up and those who didn't, those yes. who had the title, they didn't stand up, and you're like, what? And then others who didn't have the title did stand up, so that's our leaders. We had a survey done here in New Zealand recently, and I yes. don't know the actual stats. I'm not going to say it, but I just know that they asked about politics or politicians and also the media have lost trust from people. But the ones that right. people do trust are business leaders and, yes. or businesses, and they are trusting them more than anyone at the moment. So it was interesting to see where that's going to go in alignment to what you've just shared as well. So I think yes. that's, yeah, it's really interesting. Yeah, very good. Hey, um, that's my understanding, yes. Yeah, At yeah. least, yes. Yeah. Yes, thanks. So, Mario, you and I live in a world that's getting faster and faster. Mm-hmm. Social data, technology, business is getting quicker. What <laughs> makes a leader successful in a fast-paced, ever-changing world? The leader is not a job nine to five. That's a twenty-four-seven. That's a. That's not a job. That's a. That's a lifestyle. Yeah. And it requires a lot of sacrifice. Requires a lot of uh, learning, education, and training. As we believe that we know, you know, in, in Sydney, I know how the people acting here in Sydney, but I don't know how the people acting in New Zealand. It's it's totally wrong. It's totally false. If I never live there, I never work there, how I can understand the market? So what I truly believe that uh, the leaders need to spend more time, not nine to five, but they need to be continuously in pace with the happening on a global scene because that that's the... What's happened to Dallas in Ukraine, it's it's a domino effect, right? And when you look at the chaos theory and people who can ignore, not ignore butterfly effect, there's a many, many, many dots there, right? We, which we don't see, but there's a lot of events which they're interconnected. And the leader needs to understand what's happening right here, right now, in his own yard, that only can understand by continuously updating themselves with the knowledge train themselves, and train the team below. Um, one, one of the tactics I always say, it's, it's a separation of the, of the, of the leadership. Leadership it doesn't need to depend on one person because in, in the case of the COVID, imagine if you had many deaths, million deaths or whatever it is, and you, know, you decimated your leadership. You must have the several operation groups who are simultaneously independent of each other. Only that way, when one group is out, you put uh, other group in function and everything else. So leader needs to develop new methodologies, new way of the thinking. But of course, we need to learn from the history. History is infinity. And we need to keep those people from, from history <laughs> to learn from them. But as I like, continuous update with the knowledge, understanding what is real, what is not real, and how they're going to affect their local market before they look something further. And again, Key element in this, an ingredient, it's information. Mm. 
You're right. I think it, uh, one thing I do talk to a lot of leaders about, and our listeners here on this podcast, Mario, is the ability to have knowledge all the time. Knowledge, you used to, we used to say knowledge was king. And I think that knowledge being king or queen, it doesn't matter. It's actually yes. going to put you in a powerful position. And I think the thing yes. here is that for us to stay ahead of the curve and understand where we're going is knowledge. Why did most people have fear about COVID at the beginning? Why? Because they didn't know, what is this? That's the unknown great. and things like that. And that's what they were worried about. And they didn't know what was going to happen here. But then as we got used to it, we got more information, that knowledge did actually help us a lot. But I love That's what you're great. also saying about understand what's going on in your local market, understand what's happening around you and then around the world, then you can make informed decisions. Look, would you agree with me or not? Uh, but people don't, le- don't read the, the news, which is most important. Local news. Everybody's, it's, it's so glued for the screen and reading everything globally. But does anybody read what's happening here in the local area? You know, like I'm talking about, let's just say, area where I live. Very few people. And I said, like, but that's where you need to know what's happening here around you. Mm. Why I need to know what's happening in other parts of New Zealand if I don't read the news or I don't hear local news that there's a flood and I can't even exit my home, which really happened. And I make a big plans. I'm gonna come into New Zealand seeing Dennis, and now we're gonna have a you know, coffee. But if you don't know you locally, how do you apply the knowledge about you know internationally or state? And that's where the that's a that's a way that people should be concentrating, ciphering uh, information from local level to state level and up instead of from up to below. Another way, another way I say, Mario, is look after your own backyard first before you can help anyone else, right? So that's that's what we're talking about there. Absolutely. I like it, Dennis, yeah, yes. Yeah. Now, Mario, you and I have been talking about leaders through the lens of a leader. Let's think about the employee nowadays, and you probably already touched on it earlier on as well. But what is leaders – sorry, leaders. What are our employees' expectations of leaders? Has that changed at all? Look, I'm pretty sure in New Zealand was like here we saw that leaders – they were talking about reducing the salaries, but then reduce the salaries. That's just a simple example which people being irritated. So I truly believe that employees are going to look for the more, they're going to hold leadership more accountable mm-hmm. for the future events. Something, I, God forgive, you know, COVID, I can't, you know, anything like this. But employees are going to look for more accountability in leadership and today share those events as a COVID as they did, because we, we noticed that, and you saw this in New Zealand as well, a lot of companies, you know, they start working hard on uh, adjusting and improvising themselves to new market and event of the COVID, but yet they, they, they've been lost due to COVID. So I believe that the expectation, it's very high that going to hold accountable leaders for the every action in future. That's what I believe. Yeah, great. Excellent. One last question for you, and that yes, is, please. you know how you spoke to that organization before um, we actually looked at things in relation to yes. COVID, and you were sort of going to have some information for them, but they weren't willing, willing to listen. I know our listeners are wanting yeah. to listen to what you've yeah. got to say in this next question. Where do you see, if I take your crystal ball out and think about the future, where do you see leadership being in five years? I think that leadership is going to be disseminated on a, on a smaller uh, entities that there's going to be few big large corporations, but it's going to be much much more smaller uh, businesses. That's how I see. 
and it's going to be very, it's going to be bloodbath because market it's merciless as we can see right now, and there's a lot of events we experience at this very moment. So, where I see leadership, I think the leadership is going to change the way how they operate. Number one, and that's to protect more and more employees, customers, and services. That's what I'm seeing. Till now, it was all this was in in a game. However, there was a lot of um, strategic games behind us behind the curtain. Now everybody thinks, what if something happened in future? So yeah. they're going to go more protective and more concentrated on the things they can control rather than thinking in the future. So I'm right. seeing it's going to be much more. Um, yeah, it's going to be bloody. You know what I mean? That's what I, absolutely I can see. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Good to know. Well, Mario, it's been a real pleasure talking with you. If our uh, And thank you for joining us on today's show. If our okay. listeners are wanting to get hold of you, where should they go? I'm suggesting to come on our website, mariobeckes.com.au. Uh, that's my private page. And from there, they can see, you know, inside intelligence of their businesses. Um, and that's going to give them the access to me much more quicker rather than going to insightintelligence.com.au because they're going to be directed uh, to the to the to some of my employees if they try to contact me. So either way, insightintelligence.com.au or mariobeckers.com.au. Excellent. So Mario, we'll put that in the show notes. But once again, thank you so much for joining me on today's episode. Thank you, Dennis. Thank you and goodbye. There you go, listeners. Well, if you turn around now and do things today to impact generations to come, that'll be a great thing. And and also, don't forget, if you're not leading by example, then you're not a leader. Hey, listeners, what we as leaders know to be true is that change is constant. Change is incredibly scary, especially with the unknown and unfamiliar territory. It's time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing. Look out for the episodes as they're being released download them, have a listen, put a review and a rating. Feel free to share them with your friends, your family and your network. If there's any feedback you'd like to give me about the show or if there's a question you have for the Ask Dennis Freestyle episode, then send me an email, dennis at leadingchangepartners.com. Hey, listeners, it's always a pleasure being with you. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time, bye for now. Thank you for listening to this episode of Leadership is Changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsas. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change, inspiring executives and leaders to adapt and lead a bigger game in a fast-moving world. 